time. It's taken from the book of Mark, chapter 1, 14 through 20, and if you look at Matthew, chapter 4, 18 through 22, it's almost the same verbiage. And I don't know who copied who. No. But um, it says that Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Wait a minute. <laughs> That's her livelihood, right? And uh, you think maybe Peter uh, said, Andy, what do you think? He said, maybe we should take a little vacation from this fishing and let's go follow him and see what, what he's going to do. So I don't know whether that, and I don't, uh, uh, scripture doesn't, Relayed that it said that come follow me and they they left their nets and followed him maybe getting tired of fishing so they got something we'll go fish for men now that should be interesting anyway it's time it's time remember who can you remember uh, all you women can you remember your wedding day huh can you remember that how excited you were and nervous you were and and uh, you came walking down that aisle with your dad on your on his arm and coming down to meet your expected husband to be and you were excited in this time when you when they said it's time for you to come down the aisle so we have a you've heard that it's time all through your life when you're little Little wee people, your mother and your father said, hey, it's time to get up. You'll be late for school. It's time to get up and go to church. It's time, it's time, it's time. You've heard that drilled into you all your, all your days of your life. But as I lay in the bed in, in the Cleveland Clinic, and the nurse came in and said, it's time. It's time, Jim, to go to surgery for your first open heart surgery. Because I've had three of them, and so you, it's a, you say, wow. So it's, we live between those two extremes, don't we? We live between moments of ecstasy and um, and moments of agony, between faith and fear, celebration and apprehension. If somehow we could predict the coming in the goings of the times in our lives, then perhaps we could live our lives with some semblance of consistency and order. Then we could blank those pleasurable moments and, and use them in the future for times that our, our lives turn sour and everything around us seemed to be turned upside down. Then we could be certain that even in the midst of our darkest moments, the sun would break through and we would be able to see those fearful times as but training, character building that we could use to strengthen us and give us hope. However, however, our lives never seem to be that way. It does rain on the just and the unjust. There are no guarantees. 
In fact, what makes us even more apprehensive about these moments is that no matter what kind of times these moments signify, they do signal a significant change in our lives. Whether positive or negative, one thing is certain. The words, it's time, announces to us that somehow our lives will never be the same again. Even in the midst of the positive, exciting moments, we also are, are haunted by the no guarantee clause. We are shadowed by the fact that even the most exciting changes do not necessarily lead us, lead us to lives that will be lived happily ever after. That very realization helps us to view these times as they truly can be. Times of judgment and disorder, anxiety and pain. The words, it time, shows us that we are not the people we claim to be, nor are we even the people we hope to be. When we hear the words more often than not, we can re be reminded of our shortcomings, our failures, in our recognition that we are not perfect people. The words of the text, the words of Jesus, signify to the listeners and the readers in us that the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Even in the midst of John's imprisonment, God is still at work. The fact that God is still at work in the world of the disciples and those who live in the first century A.D. presents an interesting dilemma throughout the Gospel of Mark. As the kingdom of God interacts with the demons, the demons themselves know that the presence of the kingdom of God will head lead to their destruction. As the Pharisees and the leaders of the religious establishment uh, came uh, to grips with the presence of God's kingdom, they recognized the inherent threat to their sphere of influence as well as their theology. As the disciples became participants in the kingdom of God, they are guided by their misconceptions of what the kingdom should be. They wanted the kingdom of God to be established by Jesus and to serve as a revival of David's kingdom, one that would overthrow Rome and return power to Israel, the rightful inheritors of the land. The presence of the kingdom of God would signal a change. However, it would not be the change that the disciples nor the religious establishment expected. The kingdom of God would be established on the cross when the powers of the demonic forces of Satan would be defeated. The establishment of God's kingdom through the suffering, death, and resurrection of this one called the Christ would mean that neither death nor sin would have any power over all who believed in the power of Jesus' name. Thus, the call to repentance was a life-giving call. The call meant that the disciples' uncertainty, uncertainty about their future would not be in doubt. Their repentance would not lead to a happy ever after, fairy tale existence 
in which there would be no pain, no suffering or distress. Their repentance would be punctuated by the very Spirit of God that would propel them to the ends of the earth, proclaiming the good news that the kingdom of God was at hand. God was still at work in the midst of an evil, uncertain world. As a result, the disciples and those who followed after would not need to live out their lives in fear. Rather, they could live their lives from the perspective of their faith. I, it would be a, a confident faith to recognize and accept and trust that because of the kingdom of God, they had been changed and adapted and adopted, rather, as God's sons and daughters. Through the blood of the new covenant, they would be given the assurance that their relationship with God would not be in doubt, but was sealed by the cross of Christ and marked with the power of the Spirit. It is that same assurance that you and I have even today. As we face the times of our lives, it's the coming of the kingdom of God that confronts us with the good news that our relationship with God is not in doubt, but it is sealed with the cross of Christ and marked with the power of the Spirit. It is that reassurance that helps us live in faith, not fear. It is that fulfilled promise that leads us to change our lives more and more so that with the help of God's Spirit, we can conform our lives to Christ and and serve him now and forevermore. Let me sum this up for you. So there are moments in our lives that come upon us that we either welcome or we dread. These moments can be moments of chaos or moments of grace. In the midst of these moments, God continues to be with us and guide us so that we are reassured by God's love. Would you pray with me? Oh, Father God, we're sitting in this this church building this morning. We know that you are in in our presence. We know that you hold the hands of our successes and our downfalls. We know that we come to know your, your Son, Jesus Christ, as our Lord and our Savior. That we'll go on living in this world, attacking, attacking evil forces that are all around us every day. But we will be, be in love with you, Jesus. Knowing the sacrifice that you made on that cross, you willingly went to the cross to die for my sins and the sins of all the people sitting in the pews here today, and the sins of the whole world, you went willingly to be nailed to that cross, shed your blood for all those who would come and confess their sins and receive you as their Savior and Lord. We thank you. We thank you, Jesus, for being present in our lives. May the Lord bless you and keep each and every one of you safe for the coming week and the coming years. And may he be gracious. 
be gracious to each and every one of you. And Lord, as they leave here today, keep your loving arms around each one and go with them. Have a safe journey to the destinations where they're going to rest or to eat maybe before they go home or whatever, Lord. Be with them and protect them and give them safe journey to their homes. Amen.